Welcome to an enlightening podcast from IslamPodcasts.com. We encourage our listeners to please comment and let us know how we can grow in our knowledge to better serve our community. Please remind your family and friends to also visit IslamPodcasts.com for engaging discussions on current events, Islamic guidance, Quran, Tafsir, Sira, and much more. Just before Salaf of Allah. I came, I sat down with a young man, 
And I had in my mind that I will have to clarify and answer, inshallah, questions about the aqidah, the Islamic belief, other questions he has about Islam. We sat behind there and we started to discuss. And when we started to discuss, it became clear very, very quickly that his questions had already been answered. He was clear. He was clear about Islam, the aqidah, that Muhammad sallallahu is the final messenger. He had started to think ahead that when he becomes Muslim, he has to do this, he has to do that. So I had really no job to do. He said he was ready. So I was thinking, okay, Friday, but now he said he was ready. So okay, what time? Should it be after Bohol? We're about to pray now. Should it be after Salat al-Asr? Should it be later in the day? He said he's ready. He sat behind, I joined the Jama'ah. Imam al-Qadir led us in the Salah. And I stood up to the Salah, I said, there is a brother behind there who wants to embrace Islam. I brought him to the front. I handed over to Imam al-Qadir. Imam al-Qadir said some words, some explanation. And then he led him through repeating the Shahada. Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah At the end of that, some of the brothers were here. They hugged him. Long line, congratulations. Hugged him, hugged him. It was beautiful. <coughs> it was beautiful. Bengalis hugged them. Arabs hugged them. Africans hugged them. So you could see the unity of this only. Brothers were giving advice. I was standing there, some of the advice even was reminding me. Alhamdulillah, now you're Muslim, you have to do this. Now you're Muslim, the Prophet وسلم, said the one who embraces Islam, the one who says, La ilaha illallah, Muhammad Rasulullah, dakhala jannah, he will enter jannah. And they were saying wonderful words to encourage you on this new journey. And it was a beautiful occasion. Reminded us of the sweetness that we have tasted before him. The sweetness of La ilaha illallah, Muhammad. It reminded me of the unity of the Ummah because we were so diverse, but we were all united with this young man. He was joining one big family of over a billion people. But it got me thinking, it raised some question in my mind about da'wah to non-Muslims. Our role, our role as a community in giving da'wah, in inviting non-Muslims to Islam. Why is there so little of it? This was a question in my mind afterwards. Alhamdulillah, may Allah reward them. You meet some brothers and sisters in our community who speak to their neighbors or people at work or they have a dower store or they have some dower initiative. There are some people who are doing this. But we have to be honest. There is few of us, few people amongst us who are doing it. A lot of us don't get involved, we don't bother, I'm too busy, got my life to live. And I started to think, number one, this is a duty. This ayah is addressing all of us. Invite to the way of your Lord, invite to Islam, convey this message of Islam. So what is a duty? But number two, I was thinking, you know, if you had many non-Muslims, black, white, whatever, embrace Islam. They are in the best position to then go to their families in some village in Lancashire and speak to them about Islam. We've got to be frank about it. There's a bit of racism in this society. So a lot of us in this masjid are still seen as immigrants, foreigners, isn't it? Imagine 
people who are white, indigenous, born, bred here, with names like John, Janice, and Harry, who are Muslims, who understand Islam, it will be so effective in Dawah. If we do our job, and Allah Ta'ala aids us, then imagine what could happen in many, many years to come. But why is it that there are not many Dawah initiatives on a community level? I thought about this, and I would share with you, I think, a few of the reasons. Reason number one, I think, is that some of us Muslims, we have an inferiority complex. It's a big English word. Inferiority complex. We feel that we just got off the boat. We just came here not many years ago. We're not from this place. We came here to take for a better life. Who are we to be giving? Who are we to be inviting people? And so we look up to the West, everything Western. Wow. MashaAllah. Oh, look at the NHS. Look at the this. Look at the that. We don't think and we don't open our eyes to the many problems that there are in society. We think that we have to downplay our Islam. So this type of person, when you meet him, he plays down his Islam. I used to work in a big office with one guy. And he said, what's his name? His name is Emmy. Is Emmy a Muslim name? Emmy. You know the Emmy Awards? Grammy Awards? BAFTA Awards? You have these big awards in America. The Emmy. Emmy. His name was Amel. But in the office, he's Emmy. And unfortunately, going with women, he was better than some of the non-Muslims. Alcohol, he was worse than some of the non-Muslims. But he's Muslim. Somebody like this who does not live by Islam, how can he give anything to anybody? How can he offer people something? Whereas the Muslim should not be inferior, should not feel I am nothing. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said he sent this Quran to answer every question in life. And we have many questions as human beings. This Islam came to raise us. He sent to us a prophet to guide us. We have something which is the best gift any human being could have. Guidance of la ilaha illallah Muhammad Rasulullah. And if you understand this, if I understand this, should make you proud of your deen should make you feel you have something. You see families breaking up. Some children don't know who their father is. You see husband and wife quarreling. There's no way to resolve it. It's my right. No, it's my right. No, it's my right. We have a sharia from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Tells the man what is his role. Tells the woman what is her role. And if we follow it, it gives us harmony in the day-to-day -day life. We have systems. We have morals, which are the best morals in the world. If you think of Islam like this and you understand it like this, it should make you proud and should make you feel you want to be a giver. You want to give people this beautiful thing you have. And you're not just somebody who runs around and takes the good, the bad, and the ugly from the West. This is the reason why some of us don't give down. You don't understand that we have an aqidah, a belief, which is clear. Our belief is not like that of the Christians. There's some doubt in it. Three in one, one in three, you know the arguments. This aqidah of Islam that if anybody looks around, that this world is not an accident, this mosque is organized. How can the universe not be organized? This Quran which lays a challenge. says, if you think this is not from Allah, you think it's from another man, bring something like it. One surah. 
When we understand this, it gives you confidence. And you feel you need to carry this to people in the best way. So we need to be confident of our being, and that should be a motive for us to invite other people to this thing. Number two, another reason why some of us don't engage in giving down and inviting people to Islam is to do with the way we look to the non-Muslims. We feel we live in a climate where Islam is under attack all the time. And it's true. It's true. You switch on the TV, you pick up a newspaper, our mosques are called places of hatred. Women wearing hijab are referred to as oppressed people. Muslims eating halal meat in France is regarded as a barbaric practice. How can we slaughter the animal? So this intellectual attack, this intellectual attack, this every aspect of Islam, the Khilafah is a terrorist state. Our belief, our values, our prophet wasallam, even he is insulted. So when a Muslim, you, you, you feel this attack, this intellectual attack, you just feel, oh, leave these people alone. I have all nothing to do with them. They just saw who is attacking my deen. It's not Muslims. Why should I go and speak to them? <coughs> it is true. We feel an attack. It's true. Especially under the so-called war on terror. It's true. We cannot deny this. But we must not, we should not lump together all the non-Muslims. <coughs> John, Jane, Jasvinda, the non-Muslims who we work with, who we live with as neighbors, who we study with at college, they are not the same as Obama. Obama the bomber. That's what they call him, Obama the bomber. Pakistan, he rains down missiles from drones killing Muslims. Are we expected to like a man like this? We hate him. We hate what he does. He declared war on Islam and Muslims. David Cameron, he sent soldiers to fight our brothers and sisters in Afghanistan. We're expected to love these politicians like this? He went up north from years ago. He compared parts of the Sharia to fascism. Our Sharia from Allah, this politician says it's like an aspect of fascism. So some of these politicians like this, and some in the media, we shouldn't love them. There'll be something wrong with me and you if we embrace them. But is every non-Muslim attacking us? Did every non-Muslim send soldiers to Afghanistan and Iraq? No. And the best example of how we should see the non-Muslim is our beloved Prophet ﷺ. In Mecca, he lived with non-Muslims. Some of them attacked him, insulted him, tried to strangle him, the leaders of Quraysh. With them, his policy was to challenge them. The ayats were revealed. You claim this, but you say this. You are liars. Why do you say this? Why do you say that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has daughters? Powerful arguments like missiles challenging their lives in front of everybody. With the leaders of Quraysh, he challenged them. But with the normal non-Muslims he lived with, with the non-Muslims, they don't know about Islam. They are hearing the propaganda from some of the politicians, from some in the media. So it is wrong to lump them together and say they are all attacking us. So I don't want to have anything to do with them. 
This was not the example of the Prophet This must not be our example. A third reason why sometimes we don't engage in da'wah is because we don't understand Islam enough ourselves. This becomes a problem. With this attack, with this vilification, this demonization of Islam, you know that the minds of non-Muslims are being filled with what they hear in the media, what they read in the newspapers. The Khilafah is a terrible state, circumcision is barbaric, halal meat is terrible for animals, your mosques are just places where your, your imams preach hatred, you oppress your women, etc., etc., etc. So a Muslim may think, if they say all these things about Islam, if I go and discuss with a non-Muslim and he raises this question, hey, yo, Abdul! Yeah, John, how's it going? Yeah, Abdul, how come you oppress your woman? What are you going to say? He's thinking to himself. What to say? So if I don't know what to say, maybe the best thing? Sit down. Just let me not get involved. If I go into this battlefield to invite people and they start to ask me some difficult questions, I've got no answer. So the best thing? I'm not going to get involved. This is wrong. I don't know everything. You don't know everything. None of us knows everything. This <coughs> brother, he knows. He knows how to answer that question very well. I saw him one day discussing. Ask him. Go and find out. Go and learn. Go and study. The Sahaba used to come and sit down with the Prophet <laughs> Ask him questions. Understand. And go and discuss with other people. And in the ayah, وَجَادِلْهُمْ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, argue, debate with them. So when you go and discuss Islam with people, they will ask you questions. There will be some debate. This is fine. This is a duty on us. But yes, you need the weapon. You need the ammunition. Not a Kalashnikov, of course. The argument. And do we have the powerful arguments? Does the Quran contain powerful arguments? Does the Islamic aqidah make sense? Any human being, if you explain it to him, he can touch it, he can see it, he can touch things and say, yeah, this is not an accident. Look how it's organized. Look how it's built. How can somebody say it's an accident? It just came like that. Big bang, there was an explosion, and suddenly we had a beautiful arch like this. Nonsense. This organization. I never met the person, the architect, the builder. But by looking at this organized structure, I can say, oh, definitely, there is an architect, there is a builder. Simple arguments. The more we understand these difficult questions, we take them, we understand the argument, then we're in a better position to explain the questions, to clarify, to answer the questions which are in their mind, and to be able to invite them, to invite them to this Islam. you believe fear Allah, he should be feared, and we pray to die. As Muslims, who we call the other, Brothers, sisters, we're speaking today about inviting the Muslims to Islam, that this is a duty upon us, that there may be some obstacles in our minds, some obstacles from the environment. We feel under attack. We understand Islam ourselves sometimes. We feel inferior. We feel, oh, we're in the West. Look, they have everything. Who are we to go and give something? These are wrong attitudes. We should be proud of our deen. 
We should understand our game, but we have to convey it. The way forward for us as a community, engaging with non-Muslims, inviting non-Muslims, I was thinking of how to summarize this. And I said to myself, I came up with this phrase. I said, to do this dawah, DPP. DPP. I don't mean Director of Public Prosecution. Yeah? That's the DPP. Dawah. Practice. Preaching. Yeah? The first D, duty. That to give dawah, to invite the Muslim to Islam, is a duty on the Muslim individual, on the Muslim community, on the Muslim state. This is something which is lost. When you say salah is a duty, the Muslim, he makes time to pray. He finds a place to pray. He finds where's the masjid. He makes wudu. He puts some effort in it. Because you and I know Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will ask about it. But when you talk about inviting a Muslim to Islam, people, it's like, that brother, that brother will do it. He, he, he's very good at it. He'll do it. The shayyub, the shaykh, let the shaykh do it. So we live with the Muslims. They have many ideas in their mind. Many crazy ideas about Islam. Brothers and sisters, if you and I were non-Muslim, living in this society, and we did not know any Muslim, no Muslim came to us to explain what is Islam. And all we know about Islam is from the media, you would hate Islam. If nobody explained to you, you would think these Muslims are crazy, they're barbaric, they're terrorists, they're this, they're that. That's what people hear about us. First, it's, it's a duty. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala orders us to invite people to this deen. The Sahaba of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Abu Ayyub al-Ansari, where is he buried? Khalid ibn Walid, where is he buried? You can name many, many of the Sahaba who are not buried in Makkah. They are not buried in Medina. They are not buried in Hijaz or Najib. They are buried on the way, on the way, going somewhere to some far-off land. They left their homes. They left their families, they gave their time to go and invite the world to Islam. But we live in a world today where putting Islam as a priority is no more. What's our priority? My house. I want a bigger one. I want a nicer car. I want a better job. I want this and you want this. And we put effort and time and sleepless nights in this. Wherever the Muslim is in the world, there's a very simple way to look at Islam. <coughs> As a Muslim, I need to live by this deen. As a Muslim, I need to convey this deen. Muslims always understood. Throughout history, Muslims always understood wherever they are. They have to live by it. I have to pray. I have to fast. I have to go to Salat al Jummah. The Muslim community always knew we have to build a masjid. We have to come together on Friday. These are duties. But they also always understood they have to invite those around them to this mercy that we have. Because either through the Arabs going out for jihad to invite people, or through Muslims like this. So the first D, it is a duty. Something we have to give time, effort, actions, initiative, and some sacrifices for. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will bless those efforts. And He will give success to those efforts when He sees the sincerity of us, inshaAllah. Number two. To be successful in da'wah, inshallah, yeah, D, duty, peace, practice, practice. You know in English they say, a, speech, a picture speaks a thousand words. 
They say actions speak louder than words. The Prophet وسلم, even those who did not like him, those who hated him, those who attacked him, when they were asked, what is he like? What is this man like, Muhammad He's al-Ameen. He's trustworthy. He's kind. He looks after his relatives. He looks after his neighbors. These qualities are what Islam tells us to be in our day-to-day -day life. So if you are kind to your neighbors, they say to you. You ask about their problems. How are they? They have some problem you can help. You engage in helping them. You ask about their sorrows. Somebody dies in the family, you condole them. Yeah, you console them. You give them words of comfort. Because Islam said so. When you do these things, when I do these things, this is a duty from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The effect of it is they see Islam, the Islamic values, the Islamic morals, the Islamic practices through you. They see the principles of Islam through you. The way the people of Mecca saw Islam through the personality of the Prophet I'm not saying by this that we should become actors. Yeah? You're very nasty, but when you see a non-Muslim, you're suddenly very kind. If you follow Islam, if you understand and follow the values, the practices, the akhlaq of Islam, you will be kind, you will be generous. But we should apply that also to the non-Muslims. And you know, and I know many stories of people who came to Islam because of the way somebody dealt with them. There used to be one Somali family. There's one brother I know who's Muslim now. There was a Somali family near him when he was young. And he goes out to play. His parents are not looking after him very well. And the Somali sister, the mother, she calls him, hey, come, come and eat with us. Come and do this with us. He started to look after him. He became impressed. Today he's Muslim. <coughs> because of the kindness that a mother showed to her children as well as to another child. So brothers, practice. Practice does not mean you don't hold on to the Islamic principles. Some of us, we think that to be kind and generous to the non-Muslim, it means that when things are hot, you hide it. It means you stand up for the truth. So they know that on Gaza, you are against Israel. So the non-Muslim, he respects you for your kindness, but he says, this man, he has a position. He doesn't just wave like the wind. This man, he believes in his Islam. This man, he's serious about his Islam. It's time to pray, he goes to pray. When it is time to stand up for justice, he stands up for justice, regardless of who it's against. This impresses people. This man, he stands, he believes in something. He's not like everybody, he's trying to please this one and that one and that one. A final thing that inshallah will help us in Dawah, to understand it's a duty, to practice and live as Muslims. And live as Muslims with non-Muslims. And be kind and generous to them. Practice. The last one is preaching. Sometimes I don't like this word, preaching. We don't want to sound like some Christian preacher. Fire and brimstones. The people will go to hell. No, 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 no. We don't go to our neighbors and say, you know, you will. We have to do this with, with, with hikmah, with wisdom. But it means you have to discuss with people. A lot of the words will be said by the way you act. But sometimes questions will arise. They will see something in the news that Muslims are oppressing their women. They need an answer. Somebody wants to discuss with you. He wants to discuss with me. You need to understand how to convey Islam to him, how to answer that question.
Take a video that you think is good, give it to him. Maybe you get a leaflet, give it to him. One brother, he made a suggestion to me. He said I should do a video, short video, answering the question. They say Islamic punishments are barbaric. It's not barbaric. He said I should do a video, but maybe useful. So inshallah, inshallah, with Allah's help, I'm trying to try and do a video like this. There are other videos like this on the internet. There are articles written by brothers. Ask others, find out, so you are equipped. You have the tool, the argument, to explain Islam, to turn the argument around, to get them to think. You say Islamic punishments are barbaric, but here somebody, he kills, he rapes, he murders, he gets seven years? Islam is on the side of the victim. Islam teaches people taqwa from a young age, to fear Allah so you don't commit crime. If that does not control you, in Islamic society, we don't glorify crime. We don't make films about criminals and make it sound like it's crime, it's a big deal. And the final point, if after all that you commit a crime in Islam, you are punished. If you are caught, taken to a judge, you are judged according to what the Sharia says, and you are guilty, you are punished in public. It is harsh. It is harsh to send a message to society. If somebody steals, whether he's a banker, whether he's a big man, whether he's a laborer, if we take you through the process, this is what will happen to you. Because we need to protect society. Don't mess about. If not many non-Muslims hear that, I think they'll be impressed. Because many of them complain that things are too lenient here. Brothers and sisters, I don't want to make it sound all gloomy. There are some projects inviting non-Muslims to Islam. And we should aim to this. I went to Bedford a few weeks ago to give a talk. Uh, my brother, he gave me this beautiful Qur'an. And some brothers and sisters, they got together, they did something called the Qur'an Projects. They printed some Qur'ans in English, the translation of the meaning. And at the end of it, they put some articles about the Aqeedah, what Islam says about this issue and that issue and evolution and different things. They made it very beautiful. Yeah? When you look at it, the way it's laid out. I got this. I did not have use for it. I went to East London. One brother said he's speaking to one non-Muslim. I was able to give it to him for him to use. This is an example of a project. Some other brothers are about to launch a project in the next few days called Know Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. They want non-Muslims to know Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. That look, you have heard the attacks on him. You've heard the lies about him. They are saying, we are Muslims. We want to invite you to know this man. What is his ideology? What is his belief? What is his way of life? What is the system that he brought? What are his values? Look at the society, the world around us. Look at the problems the world is facing. Some Muslims, some, some non-Muslim women here, they've just launched a campaign complaining about how they are portrayed in the media. In an age where planes can fly supersonic, women are still being treated as objects in the media. Non-Muslim women are complaining about this. When Islam gave the role of the woman, the rights of the woman, the dignity she should be treated with, 1400 years ago. Who's going to explain this? It has to be you, it has to be me. So my final point, brothers, take opportunities to engage with non-Muslims. Take opportunities. It's time for aid, invite them. Invite them to eat with you. And use it to discuss about aid. Why are you celebrating? Ramadan, for Muslims, they have an iftar for non-Muslims. I like the idea. Non-Muslim iftar. Huh? It's another opportunity. In the mosque, we should have an open day. Invite all the non-Muslims living around here. Leaflet them, knock on their doors. Tell them on this day, the mosque has an open day. Invite them. 
put a controversial question that you know is on their mind. Are Islamic punishment barbaric? Does Islam oppress women? And then when they come here on the day, you tell them, you take them around the mosque, they see what it is about. It's not a place for hatred. They see one of our sisters explaining what Islam means to her. These kind of initiatives help to influence people and help to change the mind and help them to see Islam in a different way compared to the lies that they are being fed. I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to aid us in these efforts in carrying Islam to our Muslims, inviting them that he opens their hearts, that he enables us to win some of them to this being, to join us, and to join us in this da'wah. I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to help us to remember that we are the messengers of the messenger Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa We have to take on the baton, take on the mantle, carry on the job that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam left us, to emulate him in every way, including in this way of carrying down to number <laughs> Thank you for listening to this podcast. Podcasts on current events, Islamic guidance, Quran tafsir, and sirah are available at islampodcasts.com as well as on iTunes. Rate, review, and comment and let us know how we can grow in our knowledge to better serve our community. Please subscribe, share, and tell a friend about islampodcasts.com.